How many people do you know who struggle with their health? Chances are, whether they show it or not, most of the people in your life do. And chances are, you're one of them. Whether you're dealing with anxiety, depression, endometriosis, acne, eczema, autoimmune, thyroid, Lyme, brain fog, fatigue, or any other symptom or condition, you're far from alone. Living with symptoms has become the new normal. So no more guessing games. It's time to get answers. Welcome to the Medical Medium Podcast. I'm Anthony Williams. We're talking about intermittent fasting. Have you ever heard the expression, what goes up must come down? Well, intermittent fasting is kind of like what goes up, 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 comes crashing down years later. It's so sad when a new trend comes to town and takes everybody down and then takes them straight to eating disorder town. A lot can go wrong and it often does. The damage is done and it shows up long after the health crime. It wasn't what it seemed to be all this time. The science applied is flawed at best. The results looked clear, but not after a few years. Get ready, strap yourself in. This is gonna be a bumpy ride. Hey, you come here too? Really? Awesome, I haven't seen you here. Yeah, I get my coffee here all the time. Yeah. You noticed? I know, I'm doing the intermittent fasting thing, totally. You see my gut? It's down. I know, the bloating's down. You look good too, man. You're doing it? Really, how long have you been doing it? A few months? Incredible. What, what, what did you have for dinner last night? Sorry, you had pizza? Oh, hold on, I, I'm, the line's moving up. Okay, yeah, the pizza? Yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah, I had a burger last night. Yeah, it was great. I had it at 9 o'clock last night. You had it at 6 last night? That's awesome. You know, everybody's doing it a little different. Uh Uh-huh. I had a big salad the other night. Yeah. And then after the salad, I had a burger, too. Well, okay, hold on. I got to order. Hey, yes, can I, ma'am? Hi. Can I have a black coffee with a shot of espresso in there? Awesome. And I need... Uh, I need to get a double shot of espresso on ice to go. That would be awesome. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I know. I do espresso all the time. Oh, man, it gets me through the day. Do you, do you, do you remember, like, when you get that dragging moment? Because that's what I get. You get it, too? Like, in the middle of the day, I'm dragging, and then all of a sudden, the next coffee I do, like the espresso I'm taking with me, I bring that in, and I'm back to square one. I know, I know, somewhere around four o'clock it get a little jittery, but every now and then I cheat and I bite on a piece of chocolate and I know it kind of ruins it, but it doesn't. Yeah, I know. All right, listen. Okay, thank you. All right, I'll catch you around. All right, bye. What kind of intermittent faster are you? Do you wait till 12 o'clock? No, right, two, that's more like it. Maybe you're like one of those three o'clock in the afternoon and it hits you and you're like, all right, it gone far enough. Maybe you're a four o'clock. Maybe you're like six, maybe you're eight. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? The caffeine, right? That's what we really appreciate is the caffeine. Because 
without it. <laughs> the crazy thing with the caffeine part with it. <laughs> same thing, but it's just another day. What happens is we get that high, we get that high, and by the end of the day, we're coming down, we're coming down, and then we got to gorge. We got to eat. What do you like to eat? Oh, you're a healthy one, right? You're a healthy person. You're doing like the salad and the protein and lean protein and the vegetable, and you got it all together at night when you're doing it. Friend of mine, it's like all pizza, man. At the end of the day, he's like, I waited for this. I earned the right for this pizza, man. And then he just gobbles the whole thing down. But everybody's got a different twist. You know, some people like to eat differently at the end of the day. Some people do like more like four o'clock, then they'll do it again at like seven. But they went till four o'clock without eating. And that's a feat, waiting to four o'clock when you think about it. One of the things that's a head scratcher for me, this is a big one right here. It was a guy's thing to start, which is kind of funny, right? Intermittent fasting wasn't a girl's thing. It was a dude's thing. You know, dudes that never had a health problem, dudes that never been sick, dudes that don't know what it's like to have chronic illness, you know, like aches and pains and fatigue and blurriness and dizziness and all kinds of different problems. Just wanted to get like, more in shape in the fact of like losing their belly a little bit. The intermittent fasting thing didn't start with women who are chronically sick because let's face it, if a woman's really sick and they don't eat until six at night, not only are their adrenals gonna go down for the count, their blood sugar's gonna drop, they're not gonna be able to function, they're not gonna be able to walk, they won't be able to drive, they won't get glucose to the brain, blood sugar to the brain, they'll just be shot. So it started out like with a dude that wasn't sick. So it was like a dude thing. And the crazy thing is when these things keep on getting out of hand in the trendy world, all of a sudden everybody's doing it. And then no one's keeping track of the downfall, the fallout, the casualties. No one's watching any of that. No one's seeing someone who shouldn't be doing that does it and they get hurt, right? And that's just the obvious direct hurt that comes across right at the beginning of somebody doing it when they're not well. I'm not talking about someone who's healthy enough, strong enough, can work out. They do it for one year, two year, three year, four year, and then all of a sudden their hair's all falling out. And all of a sudden they got fatigue that's unexplainable. And all of a sudden they're getting weight gain when they're sitting there eating hardly anything everything just starts falling apart. That's fallout that comes years later for a healthy woman, right? That intermittent fast, you don't think it's happening? Oh, I see it all the time out there. And so do a lot of doctors I talk to. So do a lot of people I talk to. It's out there, it's happening. But remember, it started out with like healthy dudes, like strong dudes that decided to stop eating bacon and eggs and sausage in the morning. They're like, you know what? I'm kind of done with the six eggs in the morning and the sausage and the bacon. And, you know, I tried not to do the toast anymore. I got rid of that. And I just started doing my protein breakfast, which was the egg, two slices of ham around it, or sausage and egg patty with no bread. But eventually it was a dude thing where it's like, no, I'm just not going to eat this heavy meal in the morning and I'm just going to fast. And it kind of got my tummy down. So it was a guy thing all along. And now you got women who haven't been sick yet. 
writing books, doing things, doing podcasts, teaching other women to do it, but no one's saying you can do it for a little while because you'll probably get away with it. If you do it, you're going to be sick down the road. And if you do it, you're going down for the count that month. No one's monitoring any of that. No one's looking at any of that because remember, it's one size fits all out there. Every time it's one size fits all. Intermittent fasting, one size fits all. No one's looking at all the subtleties and how everybody's different. It's always one size fits all in all the alternative health world. It's painful, but true. If that's getting you upset, I'm sorry, but it's the truth. I wanna ask you something. Is there any moms listening right now? Um, would you let your daughter not eat the whole entire day until six or eight o'clock at night on espresso all day long, not eating anything? Would that be a smart idea? Because I'm scratching my head over here. Would you let your son do the same thing? Not eat the whole entire day? Hey, Michael, um, don't bring that lunch to school and do not buy lunch at school. Make sure you just avoid food altogether. Can you get a Starbucks coffee? Yes, get a bunch of them. Just drink it all day. And mommy's going to make you dinner tonight. Uh, we're going to eat about 10 o'clock at night, okay? All right, see you. Have fun at school. Or what about your five-year-old, right? It's like, Madison, put that piece of toast down. No, put it down, down. Do not have that egg. No, do not have those grapes. Put it down. You're not gonna eat till about two o'clock today. Yes, Madison, I'm going to put some coffee in your lunchbox and tell the teacher it's not coffee. Just tell the teacher it's something else. And yes, and then at two o'clock, you can have something to eat. Okay. So stop, Madison, put that piece of toast down. I don't know, that sounded kind of bad to me. I don't know how that sounded to you guys. It's like, shouldn't we be teaching our children? Like what we do should be good for our children, right? Because they're learning from us. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're doing. It's like, um, yeah, mommy is not gonna eat. Yes, um, why? Um, mommy doesn't want to eat. Mommy's on a new diet. Yes, mommy is on a program. Um, mommy's not going to eat lunch. Yeah, mommy's not going to eat dinner either. Uh, maybe like at nine o'clock at night, mommy's going to eat. Oh, you want to do that? Oh, no, no. You don't want to do that, Brittany. No. Um, Brittany, no, you have to eat today. Yeah, don't. I know, I know. You're watching. Mommy's just crazy. Yeah, you know how mommy's crazy. She just does these different diets and stuff like that. Yeah. No, I want you, Brittany, you should eat today. Yeah, that's actually really important because you know how your blood sugar gets a little kind of crazy and your blood sugar's like off. And remember when you were like faint in gym class? No, you have to eat something, okay? Yeah, I know you want to do what mommy wants to do. I get it, but... Yeah, but mommy has to do this. This is what she has to do for herself. Okay, or how about if you're taking your child to the doctor? So you're taking your child to the doctor and the doctor says, uh, Mrs. Cooper, we're going to do intermittent fasting for your daughter. She's getting some weight, so she's gaining weight and we want her to start eating at six every day. So we like this organic coffee 
Let's make sure that your daughter's using this organic coffee all day long and she doesn't eat because we're gonna do the intermittent fasting the expert way. And she can eat anything she ever wanted at night. I don't care what it is, ice cream, Mrs. Cooper, um, macaroni and cheese, pizza. Do you like pizza, Daphne? Do you like pizza? She Okay, great, pizza's perfect. Uh, Daphne, you like pizza? Perfect pizza party every night, Mrs. Cooper, at your house. But she's not allowed to eat the entire day, but she has to drink some coffee. And you can teach her how to drink coffee. You and your husband drink coffee every single day. So this is the new program we're kind of doing here. So I think it would be a great idea we get her on because she's, she's, she's gaining a little weight and we want to lose that weight. You know what's weird? I'm detecting eating disorder. Oh my God. Like when I think about it, I'm like starting to have visions of eating disorders all through my head. Is it just me? Am I just being crazy or something? But I'm like, I'm smelling an eating disorder. Like I'm seeing an eating disorder. More than that, this is like eating disorder land. When you think about it right now, I'm just thinking about it now, just by doing this. And talking to you guys, I feel like I've developed an eating disorder just from this alone. All right, let's be honest. We're talking like that can create a serious eating disorder, right? All right, you don't believe me? Okay, do you know how many people were taken away, locked up, taken away in a paddy wagon because they didn't want to eat? Do you know how many teenage girls were locked up, taken away, given ECT because of it? Do you know how many people were hurt throughout the years and years and years? Unfairly, terribly unfairly, in an evil way, actually. But not eating all day long would warrant an instant label of an eating disorder, a mental condition for a young person. The parents would be freaking out. The mom would be just in total disarray. It would uproot an entire family calamity would ensue. They would take kids away. They'd be seeing counselors after counselors after counselors if your teenager's daughter, teenager son wouldn't eat and wanted to do this kind of thing. But because now it's fake science approved and it's the trend and people are doing it, it's all of a sudden accepted. Oh my God. When I think about it, how many kids were taken away from their families? families destroyed, children's lives ruined. When I think about that, custody losses of children, all of that, because, you know, they weren't eating, which is terrible because they shouldn't have been taken away. So many of these families destroyed, so many problems. It's not easy in the eating disorder world. A lot of tragedies happen in different ways. But how, much, how many drugs and medications that children were put on, teenagers were put on, like dangerous drugs because they had an eating disorder. And then when I think about like intermittent fasting's everywhere, it's everywhere. It's on every magazine. It's all over the internet, of course. Doctors are preaching and teaching about it every day, right? You see it everywhere. Books out, this out. Influencers doing it all the time. It's flooded the entire system. Podcasts, there's all these podcasts about it all on its own. When you think about that, 
all the young people are seeing this everywhere. They're seeing it on social media. They're seeing it on the internet. They're seeing it on TV. They're seeing it in movies. It's just all over the place. It's perfectly fine. It's just intermittent fasting. Oh, it must be solid with science. Everything must be perfect with it. Yeah, no, just don't eat as long as you don't eat and don't eat, just don't eat. That's the message, see what I mean? It's, you can't go, it's not like eat. It's don't eat, don't eat, don't eat. And whoa, no, you're a loser. You broke your intermittent fast at one o'clock. You better try harder. You get kind of mental about it. What about the OCD based around it? I mean, think about that. You start getting into this whole pattern of you start hating on yourself. How do I know? I've seen it out there, young people, hating their own guts, hating themselves, thinking they're crap because they broke their intermittent fasting day at one o'clock or at two o'clock in the afternoon or at 12 and they gobbled something down because no one's really teaching them. It's not the best thing to do. There's other ways to do it. And they end up gobbling something down at two o'clock and they feel like failures. And then they go into a depression, but no one's talking about this. It's like, we're always worried about our children not eating. We're always worried about eating disorders. There's a history of that out there. So let's just create a billion more eating disorders, but make it seem like it's an okay thing. It's perfectly fine to do. Everybody's doing it. It's science suggested, or there's experts everywhere. There's dudes, there's women, they're experts now at it. They're teaching about it, health coaches, nutritionists. Oh, why don't you try intermittent fasting? Maybe your son can try intermittent fasting too. Maybe both of you guys can do it. Oh, what's the best way to do it? Make sure you're doing caffeine all day and don't eat anything. It sounds insane because it is. And we get numb. That's how it works here. You get numb to punishment. You get numb to stupid things that are happening. You get numb, you just get used to it. Like you don't know what's happening anymore. You just become with it, part of it. You just let it happen. You, it just, you coast along with it. No one sees it. No one sees anything wrong in it. No one thinks of it as anything. It just naturally evolves into something spooky and evil, but it doesn't matter because you can't see it because you're blind. You got eyes, but you can't see. And it's just, you just go along with it. And then everybody goes along with it and it never stops. And then just stick a name like science on it somehow, like license it, license it by giving it the science okay. Because there was some kind of BS study that wasn't a study that monitored five people for a certain amount of time, but then never monitored them at all in the future to what happened to them, to what they're doing now, to maybe how things have gone wrong and everything else. And I notice they're always monitoring somebody who has no illness or no serious illness, like neurological illness, like tremors and shakes, severe fatigue, brain fog, blurry vision, like all of it combined, tingles, numbness on the body, weakness of the limbs, all kinds of different body pain everywhere, jaw pain, neck pain, all of this, severe insomnia. They don't use any of those people because if you starve those people, they're going down. Their body won't be able to handle it. You know, we're talking about people that are bedridden too. Let's add that in. 
say somebody's bedridden or spends a lot of time on Mattress Island. You take somebody on Mattress Island who's struggling, even a young person on Mattress Island who's struggling, and they only have a few good hours a day where they can kind of function enough. The rest is they have to just rest. And you take all their food away till six or seven at night and then give them a big old sloppy, greasy, fat meal afterwards, they're going to get really sick. Adrenals are going to be gone. Nervous system is going to be gone. They're just going to have it much harder. But they're not using those people. If it was so great, if intermittent fasting was so great, you guys, wouldn't it get the real sick better? It doesn't get the real sick better, but it's for the not sick or someone who's got like A1C is up there or they got like maybe type 2 diabetes, prediabetes, right? They're not really sick. They just need to back off those big fatty meals in the morning, which we're going to go into detail. But in the end, it doesn't make them better, better down the road. Or maybe they're not sick, but they got some weight on them. Or they not only have some weight on them, their cholesterol's up a little bit. But they can go and go and go. They're not bedridden. They're not on Mattress Island with mysterious chronic illness, neurological conditions. They're not suffering or struggling. They're not dealing with severe fatigue. They're living their life. They're healthy, except they got some stuff going on, but they're basically healthy. They've just been living off the lamb, you know, eating too much in the morning all these years. Sausage, bacon, eggs, you know, fast food restaurants, greasy fried food in the morning, you know, egg sandwiches every single morning, or just something heavy in the morning, like lots of fat in the morning, butter, like butter, heart attack butter. And they're bloated. They've been eating a big breakfast every day for many years, or eating a big greasy lunch all these years. They have a donut in the morning, a cookie in the morning, a coffee, and then at lunchtime they have some greasy thing or some fast food or a meat sandwich or a deli sandwich. It just catches up to you after a while. And I noticed that these intermittent fasters, they always start a vigorous exercise program at the same time as they cut out all that heavy grease in the morning. But take somebody who's chronically ill, who's on Mattress Island, even a young person, they can't exercise hardly anyway, they're really sick. You take their food away, they're gonna suffer. They're gonna suffer greatly. And sure, someone who's on Mattress Island shouldn't be on eggs and bacon in the morning and grease and have greasy fatty meals during the day and pizza for lunch, of course not. But the point is, is intermittent fasting world believes any food in the morning, any kind, healthy or not, including fruit, makes it so you're not intermittent fasting. So the message is don't even do a healthy meal in the morning. So that person who's on Mattress Island and that young person who's really sick gets the message, whoa, I'm not supposed to eat anything. I just can't eat anything. And everybody seems to be getting so much better on the intermittent fasting. So I better try this because that 42-year-old dude that never had a problem who can exercise in the gym all day and drink all the coffee he wants, he's doing it and he seems to be an expert because look at his little magazine article or his interview on a podcast and no one's accounting for really what's going on because remember, it's one size fits all. Intermittent fasting is a hack. That's why. It's for a dude that never was really that sick who finally cleans up his diet and decides exercise. Or a woman who cleans up her diet 
never had any real health problems, you know, can handle like 90 degree heat, no problem, can go part of the day without eating, no problem at all, drinks whatever they want, drinks alcohol at night, exercises when they want, and decides to clean up their act. Like, I want to live a healthier life. I'm gaining a couple of pounds and I'm getting a little bloated. You go on the hack, the intermittent fasting hack, where you starve yourself, drink coffee, have a meal at night. Whoa, bloating going down a little bit. Hey, I could still exercise for an hour in the gym. This is working out okay. It's the ultimate hack for the not-so-sick person or the not-sick person. Meanwhile, when you're really chronically sick, it makes you sicker and sicker and sicker. So someone would say, wait a minute, okay, someone who's chronically sick gets sicker from this, then why am I getting better from this? Oh, no, you're improving from the hack at first. You'll pay the price later. It's already happened. You'll see, and I'm gonna cover that. Now there's an empire or empires built on intermittent fasting. When empires get built, and believe me, empires, when they're getting built and built and built, they throw every single term they could and every single scientific term and everything, catchphrase, you name it, into it. It becomes a monster out there. And then it's built on the backs of the chronically ill because the chronically ill doesn't heal from it, doesn't help them. It's not serving them. It's not serving the people who are really down and out, struggling, trying to survive. All it's doing is getting some people who overindulged their whole life. Many of them just had it made, gained a few pounds, wanted to exercise, wanted to drop some of their bad habits and pushed them forward a little bit. That's great and all, but what about the chronically sick? What about the chronically ill? What about the people who are really suffering? What about the wave of chronic illness that's developing right now in this world? What about the chronically ill watching all the propaganda out there on intermittent fasting, watching all the not so sick people who throw out those glowing reviews on how their weight went down and they're feeling more energetic and their skin's a little better. Meanwhile, they were just people that weren't that sick, but the chronically ill, they get sucked into this because they're thinking they're just as sick as they are but it's not true. When people have tingles and numbness and aches and pains and burning skin on fire, severe insomnia, feet are feeling like they're lead, you can't walk, dizziness, blurriness, blurry eyes, severe brain fog, panic attacks every single other day. I'm just naming a few symptoms, tremors, tics, spasms, severe OCD, and they just get tricked into it. So the empires are being built, sucking in all the chronically ill that think everybody's sick the same way they're sick. It's a trick, they're not. Remember, intermittent fasting is all about that dude that was never sick, decided to try to get looking a little better so he can meet his new girlfriend, got into the gym, knocked out the steak and eggs in the morning, notice it was working and it took off from there. So the chronically ill, they're all buying into it though. They're thinking this must be the way, this must be where I'm supposed to go. So they're buying into all the programs and all the different clicks, meaning they're clicking all the websites and subscribing and paying subscription fees for websites because they're seeing all these people intermittent fast and their doctors are like, have you tried intermittent fasting? 
that might be something good for you. Well, let's see, I could barely take a shower. My legs feel like lead. My skin's on fire. I've been to 10 neurologists. Let me try this intermittent fasting. I saw this guy out there, he ran 10 miles and then hopped on a bicycle and then he looked all trim and good. And yeah, his hair might be dyed and he's got implants and veneers in, but the guy looks like he's he's doing great. And I think I could try to get like that. People don't realize it's more than this. Now, I'm not denying someone doesn't get an improvement with intermittent fasting to start with if they're a person that's got a constitution, they're strong to start with, no real health problems at all, and they start intermittent fasting, they hack it, they do it, and they see some improvements. I'm not denying that. So anybody out there listening that's saying, oh, he's so wrong, I know this one guy, my coach, my trainer does this, my guy does this, I'm not doubting any of that. Because when that coach, trainer, or friend, or person did the hack, intermittent fasting hack, and got improvements, it was helping them. Because for the first time in their life, they stopped that big old bacon egg sandwich in the morning. They stopped all that fat in the morning. Maybe they stopped cakes, cookies, and donuts in the morning, or bagels in the morning. Maybe they didn't eat that in the morning ever. They just drank coffee, but their lunch was pizza fried food, burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, fast food, maybe even home-cooked foods, frozen foods, but they were all drenched in fat. They were fatty foods. And maybe they stopped eating those lunches. And so they went their morning, they went their afternoon, and they waited to nighttime. And they got into some healthier options like leaner proteins, say, not as much bad carb, not as much oil on things. They were just eating like some chicken breast. They shed a few pounds, got a little energy back, started working out more, and it worked for them. They got by, they had a constitution, they were strong. Then you got the person who's been into health for a while. They didn't have all greasy foods in the morning, that wasn't their thing. They left the standard American diet a long time ago. They've been bouncing back from vegan, to animal protein, to veganism again, plant-based, then animal protein. They've been doing it for years. They got a few symptoms. They're not so, so sick yet, but they've been told they've had a thyroid imbalance, adrenal issues, hormones are imbalanced. They're not really, really sick, but they've had enough doctor visits throughout the years. They got nutritionists. They care about their health. They care about their well-being. They look at everything out there that's healthy, they're always reading things, they get books, all of this, but they don't have a neurological disease. They're not suffering from something neurological where they're bedridden or on mattress island. They're living their life. They're running around, they're hitting juice bars, they're hitting vegan restaurants, they're eating some animal products once in a while. They do back and forth. They're always trying to look for the new trend and a new thing, but it's still not working for them. They have a problem, they know they're not healing, they know they're not improving. They're saying to themselves, is this as good as it gets? These are the people that do peanut butter smoothies in the morning, throw MCT oil in everything, have coconut oil in everything, do different types of smoothies with almond butter in that, acai bowls with nut butter on them, eggs and a stir fry, eggs and an omelet with some spinach in it or some type of vegetable, avocado toast, they'll have that too beans. They'll play around with different beans. 
Lunch would be a salad, hard-boiled eggs thrown on top, maybe chicken and a salad, or pizza and a gluten-free crust, or tofu. Maybe they'll have some type of soy product or another smoothie with protein powder in it and some nut butter. They pride in eating healthier options. They got experience in the health realm. They've been around. They tried a lot of different things. Some things worked in the moment, some things didn't. Then they got advice from somebody else and tried it. It almost worked, tried something else, but their health just isn't where it should be. And then they hear about intermittent fasting and they're like, what? Don't eat? So stop my smoothies in the morning? Stop my vegetable burritos in the afternoon? All right, I'll just give it a try. Doing it, doing it. I'm starting to feel a little better. My bloating's going down. I think I have a little bit more energy. Something's working okay. I think this is really great. I think I found the holy grail. This is incredible. So the thing that these two groups of people have in common is they have a nervous system strong enough to actually handle the caffeine high, the caffeine syndrome. They can drink matcha tea, green tea. They can drink kombucha tea, which is caffeine. They can drink coffee, espresso all day long. They just don't do water all day long because if they were somebody that was sicker and couldn't handle that much caffeine all day long because they were too sick, they had chronic illness, neurological problems, and they just did water only, they would never survive it. You wouldn't function from water from the time you wake up till the time you almost go to bed, basically, and then you eat then. It wouldn't be enough calories, enough blood sugar glucose to keep you going. But these two groups of people have a strong enough nervous system. They didn't get sick enough yet. So they're able to partake in the hack thinking it's the holy grail. It's moving them forward. And then it all crashes down the road later. Now, there are a bunch of people out there that can't go that long. They can't go to the end of the day to almost nighttime before they go to bed. They have to start eating at two. They have to start eating at four or three or six the latest because they don't have a constitution like some other people do. That's why the one-size-fits-all gang doesn't realize everybody has a different problem, a different health state, a different mental state. No one's all the same, but they create a trend to try to package it up as everybody's the same, everybody can do this. You can do this tomorrow, but it's not really true or accurate. There's people that have panic attacks by one o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock in the afternoon, and they have to back out of intermittent fasting. They have to quit because it's cranking up their anxiety and their nervous system and their constitution isn't the same as somebody else. The reason why a lot of people say, try it, it works for me, See if it works for you, because it doesn't always work for you. That's why. It's a crapshoot. It's a guessing game, because you don't know what state that person really is in. There's people, they fall apart by 11 o'clock in the morning if they don't get some type of fuel in them. And then there's people that are under a lot of mental stress. They're under enormous pressure. They have needs. Their system needs more. And then there's people that have like two or three jobs at once, really demanding work. They work really hard, morning till night. They need a lot of fuel for their brain. They need a lot of blood glucose. They can't just stop eating and only be on coffee. That might last for a little while, but after a week or two, they'll bottom out, they'll crash, they'll hit the wall. And then 
Maybe there's somebody that doesn't have a lot of demands, doesn't have a lot of work. They're into self-care only because they have all the time in the world. They wake up in the morning and it's all about their personal self-care. They don't have to go out, do a real demanding job. Maybe they have a lot of resources, a lot of money. And what tires them out is they take vacations all the time. And that person might be able to sit around all day, keep themselves busy, go do appointments, but on caffeine only. Like that's all they need is caffeine at least till three in the afternoon, four in the afternoon, and then they can eat something. Their demands on their brain and what people are asking of them. You know, like a school teacher with all the students and the students needing help all the time and the faculty and all, all the different things you have to do and the schedule you're on, it eventually gets tiring. And then that's different. It's like you need fuel. It's why school teachers are known to actually be like, whoa, is there donuts ready over there? Because we need one. Is there a bagel ready? We need it. You can't just be empty stomach the whole entire day while you need to have your faculties working. And maybe you're somebody that thinks I'm wrong and that you have a really busy schedule, you know, because you're running around, you're doing a lot of things. Well, often what people don't realize, if someone's not working a really, really demanding job, but yet they're really busy, they're driving around and doing appointments, usually it's about self-care. So you're being serviced all day long. Got the massages while someone's working on you. You're not working on them. So if you're a massage therapist, you're going to need some fuel for your brain. You can't just be working on four patients in the morning, four clients, massaging them really hard, hearing all their questions, giving them all these beautiful things you're saying and affirmations you're telling them, giving them light and love, working on them. That's demanding. You need fuel for the brain. So if you're intermittent fasting as a massage therapist, you might eventually bottom out and hit the wall. But the person who's getting serviced, that person getting self-care, they're receiving all that. They can be on caffeine all day, many of them, if they have a constitution and they weren't that ill. They can do their appointments, they can get their nails done, and they could be serviced all day. It's like your nails done, your massages, your facials, then your doctor appointments, your doctor's working for you. They're saying, hey, you know, this is what you need, and you just sit there, okay, I understand, and you leave. Or your hair appointments, they're working on your hair. Now, you're not the hairdresser, who's standing up for 12 hours a day trying to work on people, if they're on caffeine only every single day until six at night, they're eventually gonna burn out because they need glucose for the brain and they're gonna hit the wall. But if you're sitting there getting your hair done, you're being serviced. And a lot of people who have a lot of money and they have the resources and they can travel and they can do all these things. They're constantly being serviced so they can just focus on their self-care, maybe try intermittent fasting, hold back meals because they can focus on that. It's a big difference. Once again, the one size fits all method fails. It's failure, failure, failure. The industry and the trends, they're all one size fits all. I can say it, it's the truth. I know it pisses somebody off, but it's the truth. It always has been. The industry is a one-size-fits-all model. Like, take a hairdresser. Got a hairdresser. She's standing on her feet or he's standing on his feet for 12 straight hours, counseling the clients. Therapy. Hairdressers do therapy on their clients. It's not just cutting hair. They actually counsel them. Many hairdressers should be paid like psychiatrist fees. And... Think about all that. 
And then it's all the chemicals they're under too. Hairdressers have to inhale all the chemicals and that gets in their bloodstream. They need blood sugar to defend themselves. Not to mention it's a physically demanding job. Their needs are going to be different than someone else, especially if the hairdresser isn't well or has already health compromises, the game changes again. Same thing for a school teacher, massage therapist, bus driver, or a doctor that's actually working, a doctor that actually has a practice, a busy practice, demanding practice. They're there at the office. They walk in, they see the patient. They walk out, they walk in, they see the next patient and the next patient. They're working doctors. Why am I saying that? Because there's doctors that are claiming the intermittent fasting program worked great for them, but they're not practicing doctors. There's thousands of them out there now. They're on the internet. They're YouTube doctors. They're podcast doctors. They don't work. They have a team of people working for them for their social media. They have money. They're using money for ads and advertisements. They're running an entire empire. They don't work on people. They don't have to counsel people, therapy with people. They don't have to give people bad news about their health. They don't have to do anything. They're not working with people anymore. The demand changes. So the doctor who's on his feet all day, who has a busy practice, may not be good with the intermittent fasting program on caffeine the entire day. They might have to have lunch. But the podcast doctor or say, doctor that wants to become famous and wants to be a social media doctor but not work a practice anymore, that doctor is working on their self-care. They're doing their little ice baths and their cold baths and their cold showers and their breathing and their meditation and they're doing their exercise program. They're eating the way they want. They're focused on their foods and they can do their intermittent fasting too because they're not working. Now, to understand intermittent fasting and how it's flawed, you have to start with the name, intermittent fasting. Now, if everybody is supposed to be such experts, like you're counting on experts, like you are, you're like, you're thinking, well, I'm putting my health in your hands. So you're obviously an expert intermittent fasting empires. So you obviously must know science. Uh, many of you have degrees. So I'm putting my health in your hand, my life in your hand. Well, to start with, here's how it's flawed. It says intermittent fasting. Well, the body's not fasting. Just because you skip breakfast, you're not fasting. Just because you skip lunch, you're still not fasting. Just because you skip dinner, it doesn't mean you're fasting either. You're just intermittent eating. You're not intermittent fasting, you're intermittent eating. The body is not fasting unless you've gone 24 hours without any kind of carbohydrate, any kind of fuel source. And even 24 hours is a little edgy. 24 hours and one second is even better. The one second after the 24 hours. You see, our body isn't in fast mode until the sun rises and then the sun rises again. The sun rises, you're not eating, you go all the way till the sun rises again and you haven't eaten yet. That's when the body starts its fasting mode. When the sun rises, our brain expects to receive food at some point. And if you don't eat in the morning, 
right when the sun rises and you eat later, our brain is still expecting to receive food. It's the daytime. Our brain is active. We're alive. We're not sleeping. Brain is in, in shutdown mode, requiring less glucose. It's awake. As it's waiting for food and it doesn't receive it, it sends a message to your adrenals. And your adrenals start releasing adrenaline because there isn't any glucose for your brain because you're not eating first thing in the morning. You're waiting. So adrenaline rises. It takes the place of glucose. It's not a great thing, but it's doing it because your brain is waiting. And the glucose is what your brain really needs. So the brain uses the adrenaline as a glucose substitute. As the day goes on, you start heading to noon. Sun's at its highest point. Your brain is still not receiving glucose. So more adrenaline's produced as a substitute for the glucose. Your brain is hungry though. It's starving for glucose. It's looking for glucose. But as the day goes on, there's no glucose yet. There's no food. Your adrenaline's pumping. Adrenaline's rising. Adrenaline's getting to the brain to get the brain by. As nighttime comes, the brain is thinking it's going to be fed again because the sun is setting. The brain is thinking, surely I'm going to get my glucose. But if you don't eat for dinner and you go to bed, your brain shuts down. When morning comes again and the sun starts rising, your brain doesn't activate your adrenals anymore. Right at the 24-hour mark, the brain shuts down the adrenaline needs. It stops the adrenals from running and shooting adrenaline out. The brain has decided it's not going to be fed. So it goes into almost like a sleep mode even though you're awake. It's a fasting mode. It's the 24-hour mark. It's from sunrise to sunrise. You're not running on straight adrenaline anymore. You're in fasting mode. That means time to lay around. If you want to fast, if the person is trying to fast, it's time to lay around, not work hard, not drive around, not do anything, not think too hard. Your brain doesn't have the fuel it needs. You're actually in fasting mode now. That's why intermittent fasting is not intermittent fasting. You never fast. You're not fasting. You're intermittent eating. The real name is more like that. Maybe the better name would be recklessly eating because that's really what it is. Why is it reckless? Because you're killing your adrenals and you're starving your brain at the wrong time. See, when the brain is really in fast mode, when you've gone 24 hours on water only, no calories of any kind, not even lemon, not even lemon or lemon water, that would stop the body from fasting. It has to be 24 hours, only water for the brain to realize we're in fasting mode. It has to be sunrise to sunrise and one second after the sunrise. This way, the adrenals shut down and the brain protects you. This internal mechanism inside the body when we truly are fasting. Intermittent fasting trend is the opposite. 
people who actually are experts in intermittent fasting, the science buffs or the expert buffs, or the people that are out there promoting it and doing it and think they're actually doing a service for so many people out there, don't realize this. They don't know about this internal mechanism. They don't know how the brain works. They don't know what's happening to the adrenals. So when you intermittent fast, the trendy way, you're not really fasting. Instead, you're running on adrenaline. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul over and over and over again until it all starts to crumble. How does it crumble? Well, there's not going to be a study on how it crumbles. No one's going to really know. No one's going to know anything, but I'll give you a couple little pieces of information. Say you're a woman, you're young, you want to get pregnant someday. You're planning on having a baby when you're 30. That's the time frame you're kind of like projecting and then, or manifesting. Maybe you're manifesting, I'm going to have children when I'm 30. That's the right time for me. And then you're intermittent fasting for a few years before that happens. And you're burning out your adrenals. You can't quite tell because you're so caffeinated. You're caffeinated continuously. You got the stimulants going. Maybe you're not doing intermittent fasting every single day perfectly. Maybe it's a few times a week. It still chips away. What happens is the adrenals start to break down. They start to lose the precious reserves they need. And women need adrenaline to give birth. A baby just doesn't pop out. It's adrenaline that allows that to happen. Adrenaline saturates a mom's entire nervous system, central nervous system and every single nerve in the body so that the baby gets projected out. So the strength is there, the core, the chi, if you wanna use that word, that inner strength, it's there because of adrenaline and you need those strong adrenals. What happens with a lot of moms, their adrenals are already toasted. Sometimes they're toasted by their second baby or their third baby. They have to have C-sections or they have really difficult births because their adrenals were not where they needed to be. And then they were fatigued afterwards and their adrenals were missing hormones. And then the hair fell out a couple of years later and they had other problems. Your health starts to deteriorate as you go on down the road. Intermittent fasting, I'm not saying makes all that happen, but it's a big contributor to that adrenal weakness. And then you got the liver problem that occurs. The liver has to absorb and sponge up all that adrenaline, that free radical adrenaline that's floating around the bloodstream constantly. See, adrenaline is a threat to the brain long-term. The brain is just sending a signal like, I wanna be fed, there's no blood sugar to be found, there's no glucose, not enough glucose to be found, so I have to send a signal to the adrenals and get some adrenaline out to feed me for the moment, but it's only temporary for a couple of hours. Then I need to be fed. But a couple hours goes by and nothing's happening. There's no glucose. Someone's not eating because they're sitting there with their consciousness. Their consciousness is being trained by the intermittent fasting people to withhold the food. So that consciousness is saying, no, hold back from food. Meanwhile, the brain is like, don't do that to me. I need the food. What are you doing? I need that glucose and fuel. So the brain says, sends a signal and the adrenals are releasing that adrenaline. But time is passing. 
too much time is passing. It's becoming a threat to the brain now because that adrenaline is getting old. It's being released. It becomes toxic after a while. The brain is like, whoa, we need glucose fast. We need fuel fast. It's not coming. And then the liver becomes a sponge. It soaks up all that adrenaline from the morning from not eating, all that adrenaline from early afternoon from not eating, and then more adrenaline is released all over again. It's this vicious cycle. The brain becomes desperate by two o'clock in the afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon, and it's triggering the adrenals, sending a signal to release more adrenaline. The liver's already been overburdened. It's already sponging and sucking up all that other adrenaline all day long. Now more adrenaline is being released and the brain is becoming more desperate by the minute and more desperate by the minute. And then people who are intermittent fasting are actually prompting their adrenals more and more beyond all this because they're bringing in caffeine. Remember, black coffee, no calories in there. You're not allowed to have sugar in your coffee when you're intermittent fasting. Well, that's the rules anyway. I'm sure people break the rules and do different things, but the rules are you can't have a sugar in there. You can't have cream in there either. You have to have black coffee or espressos, black coffee, iced coffee, but it's gotta be something like that. You're allowed that. Maybe tea, matcha tea, but no cream and sugar. No calories for the brain on any level. No glucose for the brain. Now, hmm, you get energy from that caffeine, from that black coffee. How's that possible? Caffeine doesn't give us energy because it's not an energy source. Caffeine is not a glucose. It's not a calorie, but yet it goes to the brain and doesn't give us energy even though it does. What does that mean? How does it work? I'll tell you how. It's a stimulant. It makes the brain scream, help me to your adrenals. Caffeine is a drug. It prompts the adrenals, flooding your body with adrenaline. That's what it does. You get energy from caffeine. What? No, not from caffeine. You get energy from what the caffeine's doing to your brain and adrenals. And that energy is fake energy because it's coming from instead of a fuel or food source, it's coming from the depths of your body and its reserves, your body's precious energy source. It's not energy that you should have messed with. It's not energy that should have been played with. It shouldn't have been played. It's your deep, deep resource. It's what keeps us going. It's the resource we have inside our organs and our body. It needs to be preserved for the rainy days, for the hardships and things that come our way, for the stress, the confrontations, it's there for other reasons, for childbirth. It's there for stressful situations. It's there for a car accident. It's there for a fender bender. It's there for something that you're up against. It's there for that relationship breakup. It's there for when the boyfriend breaks up with the girlfriend, the girlfriend breaks up with the boyfriend and they're just in agony. It's there for that divorce. It's there for that lawsuit. It's there for that problem people are up against. It's there for all the different things that people in this world struggle with. It's there for when you're told that you're a bad person when you're not a bad person. It's there for all these different upsets emotionally and physically. That's your precious reserves. It's there to protect you. And guess what? We're throwing it all away because of a bad idea. Now your adrenals produce a lot of your hormones, reproductive hormones too. 
women's reproductive hormones. And in the alternative health industry, it's all about hormones lately. Everybody's worried about their hormones. Everybody's going to their doctors. They're getting all their hormone profiles. They're looking into everything. They're worried about the hormones, reproductive hormones, all kinds of hormones, thyroid hormones, everything. And then we're intermittent fasting and we're damaging and injuring one of our most profound hormone producers, which is the adrenals. And then wait, all that intermittent fasting isn't good for the liver. It's not great because the liver has to absorb all that adrenaline all day long and that caffeine too. And it starts to slowly hinder the liver. The liver is a hormone producer as well. But wait a minute, I get it. You're somebody that's like, you're wrong. Totally wrong, EW. I know somebody, their blood work looks better from their intermittent fasting. They got a good doctor. They're looking at all their stats and levels. And I, I went and did it too. And my blood work looks a little better too. I'm feeling a little better as well. I just don't think you know what you're talking about. But see, those results are a snapshot in time. That's what it is. Temporary results for cleaning up. Cleaning up what once was not great lifestyle, right? All the different heavy fatty foods in the morning or fatty foods at lunchtime, maybe processed foods. A lot of people, they do intermittent fasting. They come off the ride. They come off of the fast foods. They come off of the pizzas. They come off of the burgers, the lunches. People know what it's like to eat a pizza for lunch. You know what it's like, right? Remember those days? Remember? Have a pizza for lunch. You have more than a few slices. And now you're just like half asleep. And maybe you eat better than that. And it's not about pizzas. But the reason why people get results with the intermittent fasting, the real reason is because they stopped the fats. And that's why they get results like blood sugar gets better as far as the A1C. Prediabetes can start to calm down. Maybe they feel a little bit more energy for the moment. But either way, they're getting some results and they're getting results in their blood test because they lowered the fats, but not just lowered the fats, they stopped them. But here's the tricky part. That's quick results. Those are quick. It's hack results. We get in trouble later because it's not sustainable. Bigger problems happen later. Brain problems, neurotransmitter chemical problems, neuron problems, glial cell problems, adrenal problems, central nervous system problems, liver problems. All these things develop later, it's sometimes fast, six months. Blood test looks good, doctor's kind of happy. Everything's, hey, you're intermittent fasting, you're doing better, you're exercising. Oh, wait a minute, why are these liver enzymes up all of a sudden? This is strange, eight months later. Oh, it can't be the intermittent fasting because it was giving you results, see? The psych out. The psych out is you get these quick results for a lot of people, but all these other problems happen later. But because we got some results from the start, it's referenced. So the doctor has it on his sheet and he references, it can't be the intermittent fasting that's making your health go downhill now, sir or ma'am, because we have on record that you were improving from the intermittent fasting from the start. So a year later, we're seeing these other problems happening like brain fog, confusion, anxiety, panic, depression, other issues too. 
And then we're seeing things change, but it can't be the intermittent fasting because it showed on record, it was concrete. There were benefits. You actually were healing. Something was changing. We were seeing results. And that's where the psych out is. The psych out is, is you get these quick hack results, but nobody realizes the consequences that happen later, the ramifications that occur later and nobody knows. And the later doesn't have to be 10 years, like, oh, 10 years down the road, that's when something will happen. Well, I'll rather just do this for the next 10 years than to worry about it then. No, it can happen six months, two months later, a year later, three, three years later, 10 years later for sure, but it happens. I know what you're thinking. There's real science behind this. Like there's science, there's professionals, well, there's empires built on it, lots of professionals involved in it now, and I'm really off the mark. Let's talk about the benefits now that so-called science stands by and how intermittent fasting is so beneficial. So let's go through some of the claims that are out there, like the claims that seem to be hardcore where they hang their hat on them. Okay, here's one, reduce insulin resistance. Well, scratching my head here, if you don't eat in the morning, you're not gonna have high insulin resistance because there was no food eaten in the morning, so therefore the pancreas didn't release insulin, therefore there wasn't insulin resistance. And then I wonder, since I've been talking about that for 35 years and published it almost 10 years ago, that if you keep the fats out in the morning, you don't have the insulin resistance. And I'm wondering, did they get it from there? Or if they did discover it themselves recently, fine. But at the same time, it's not rocket science. It's not hard to figure this one out. If you don't eat in the morning, your pancreas isn't gonna produce all that insulin. You're gonna have lower insulin production, less insulin resistance. And yes, they're correct. There's gonna be less insulin resistance. So that claim is correct, even though there's details they're missing, and we'll explore that a little later. Let's go to the next benefit that they claim. Human growth hormone increases. That's the claim. So they say that human growth hormone increases, and this is a great thing. Yes, it does increase on the blood test, but it doesn't increase at all. So let's go into how and why. What they don't realize is the same amount of human growth hormone is being produced, but they see more of it in the blood test. And the reason why they see more human growth hormone is because the fats in the bloodstream aren't there anymore because the person stopped eating. They're producing the same amount of human growth hormone as they always do. The difference is there's no fat to absorb it. The fats you eat in the morning in your breakfast, enter the bloodstream and choke out the human growth hormone and they can't see as much of it on the blood test. Also, the fat in the blood on the blood test is harboring. It absorbs some of that growth hormone and they can't see it either through that avenue because it's in the fat itself. They're not testing it in a serum in order to determine if that fat actually harbors growth hormone but yet the same amount of growth hormone is being produced every day. It hasn't been increased. It's the same amount. 
Now science doesn't know the fat is harboring growth hormone to even test for it in the blood because they don't know it's about removing fat and that's why people get benefits or improvements. They think it's just removing food. So they're not looking at the fat and they won't look at the fat as being the problem because everybody's promoting a high fat diet. Now, here's the other piece they're missing. When you take the food out of the diet in the morning, you remove the breakfast and you don't eat. The reason why human growth hormone also elevates is because of a detoxification process happening. When you remove food, specifically the fat, which they don't know, but when you remove food in the morning, you can cleanse. That means you're releasing old, outdated hormones that are deactivated. They don't work anymore because that's what the human body does. It takes estrogen and progesterone and testosterone and it eliminates it. And same with human growth hormone. It's detoxifying out of the liver, out of organs, it's hitting the bloodstream and you're peeing it out. You're eliminating it out. But if you take a blood test, you'll see more of it when you're not eating. More of it will be in the blood test, but they don't know these differences. They just say, oh, wait, look, okay, write this down. And then they make this big claim. It increases your human growth hormone. But it's so generalized, the details aren't there. It's flawed science. Once again, one size fits all. The tools they're using, like in this case, doing the blood test, is still measuring only one aspect of it, but not measuring all these other aspects of it. So the tools they're using are one size fits all tools. So let's go to another intermittent fasting claim. Cellular waste removal. Now this is interesting because I'm scratching my head right now. The intermittent fasting people, the empires built, don't believe in cleansing. They say the body does it itself. It never needs a detox or a cleanse. MM Info all these years is all about cleansing and detoxification of cells and organs. So we can heal and then presenting tools to help us do that. Now, they're saying when you intermittent fast, cellular waste removal occurs. So I'm just scratching my head here and I'm trying to see what this really is. And it's waste removal. Um, so waste coming out of a cell, what waste? That's detoxification. That's cleansing. So what they're saying is your cleansing. Okay, now that makes sense in a way because when you stop eating, you start to cleanse. Now get this though, they just think when you stop eating food, that's not correct. Really, when you stop eating fats, you start to cleanse. So you can eat fat-free food or food with no overt fats in the morning and still cleanse, but they don't know that, which means you can still get cellular waste removal, the term they use now, because they didn't want to use the detox term or the cleanse term because, hey, they wanted their own term. So they said, let's do waste removal, but yet the body doesn't need to cleanse and the body doesn't need to detox. We'll still stand by that. And what they don't realize, it's removing the fat that allows for their claim cellular waste removal to even occur, not removing food itself. If you eat an orange in the morning, you still will have cleansing power and ability. You still will have cellular waste removal. If you eat an avocado in the morning, you won't get cellular waste removal anymore. 
And that's how that works. All right, let's go to the next claim they got. Cell renewal. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, this is interesting. So they say cell renewal when you intermittent fast. Okay, well, if you're jacked up on caffeine all day long, not getting any nutrients in you, and then you top it off with a big sloppy, greasy, crappy meal at the end of the day, uh, I don't know how much cell renewal you're really going to have. And here's the other thing. Here's the real detail that's important. There's no way to determine if it's cell renewal. They don't have the tools yet in science because you will never know the difference between how much cell die-off you're having and how much cell renewal you're having. It's impossible to determine. Science might be able to determine it 500 years from now, but all we have is a theory right now because they can't measure. There's no measuring tool in existence right now that can measure how many cells are renewing or being created versus how many cells are dying or weakening we don't have that scientific tool yet. It doesn't exist. So what they're doing is theorizing because it sounds exciting. It's like, whoa, this creates cell renewal. This is amazing. And it's a claim they can make that gets everybody excited and no one's going to really doubt it. And anybody in health is going to be like, cell renewal, that's awesome because it hits the whole anti-aging live forever market. Can cells renew? Yeah, but you need something to make that happen. You need something more than caffeine all day and a sloppy meal at the end of the day. You need antioxidants, mineral salts, trace minerals, phytochemical compounds, anthocyanins, glucose, macro minerals. You need all of these plus more, and you need them entering the body more than once a day. But most intermittent fasters are not into the cell renewal game. They're in the cell destruction game. They got the caffeine cranking all day long. They got the adrenaline pumping all the way. Adrenaline is corrosive. It's cell damaging. That's what adrenaline does. Caffeine, cell damaging. And the other problem is they're not eating a pound of spinach at the end of the day and a whole bunch of fruit where you're getting those antioxidants, the glucose, and the phytochemical compounds. They're eating a burger. They're eating some chicken. They're eating other foods. I'm not saying chicken's bad or burger's bad or what's good or bad. I'm just saying there's no healing foods. There's no powerful tools there. They're not drinking 32 ounces of celery juice at the end of the day, a pound of spinach, and a whole bunch of asparagus. That's the last thing they're eating. Now let's head to their next hypothesis, their next claim. Beneficial gene expression. So gene expression gets better, okay? So you get better genes. Um, so what they're saying, the hypothesis is because they haven't seen it, but they think changes to molecules involved with genes could help with longevity. So it could be related to longevity. That's the hypothesis. Now, when you really break it down, there's nothing there at all. They don't see anything. They have no scientific proof. Nothing's there, but it's a great one to kind of throw into the mix. It gets people excited really nothing to say about it because it doesn't really exist. So there is nothing to say about it. Sure, if you're doing something better for your health, you hope your genes are getting better. In this case, they haven't seen it. They don't know, but they're just going to assume it's even possible. Okay, so here's their next claim. Weight loss. 
Well, all right. Um, you take away food for as many hours as you can, for as much of the day as you can. You eat less. Uh, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of dudes out there that are going to lose weight. And you'll notice out there, if you talk to enough people, they start their intermittent fasting program at the very same moment in time they start exercising or cranking up their exercise. They're not eating and they're like starving. So then they're like, I better start exercising, keep my anxiety down or whatever. But either way, there's different people doing different things. But most of the time, they start both at the same time. Of course, if you're not eating anymore and you're exercising more, you're gonna start losing some weight. I know there's people who've already been exercising and they're just eating whatever, their high fat meals and their normal programs, whatever. And then they start to intermittent fast while they're exercising the same way. And they're losing weight too, because they stopped eating. I know there's some people out there that are going to say, no, I eat the same amount of calories as I always have. I just eat it at the end of the day. And not really, because you don't really remember what you used to do, the binges and the different times you used to eat and the different foods. You didn't have it all down. You weren't measuring every calorie ever. Now you're kind of more mindful, but no, you're eating less calories. And so many are trying to control their cravings. So they like their intermittent fasting program because they're controlling their cravings. They're like craving all day, but they're trying to say, oh, no, wait, I'm just going to keep the coffee going in and I'm going to just keep that under control. And I'm going to reward myself at the end of the day and I'll eat whatever I want at the end of the day, but I'll hold back all my cravings all day long. But here's the other thing people don't realize. Their stomach starts to shrink, starts to get smaller because they're not eating all day and they're just doing some different liquids, like say coffee for one, right? So by the time of the nighttime comes or the end of the day, their big meal isn't as big as their meals used to be because their stomach is not stretched as much. So their stomach is shrinking. So the meals aren't as big at the end of the day. It's another reason why they're losing weight. So yes, the claim of losing weight is actually real but here's how it works. It's real because you stopped eating fat because eating fat makes you fat. Fat makes you fat. That's how it works. This is why people who do high fat diets and work out and lost some weight years ago end up having to go and do intermittent fasting years later because they can't keep their weight under control anymore. They're working out. They seem to be doing all the right things they're eating healthy meals, but they're keeping the fats in. They're doing the nut butters, the lean proteins, and they're having their MCT oil and everything else, but they don't realize it. It's all fat. And then they need some carbs once in a while, so they throw those in too, but they're trying to do it in a balanced way. And it worked for them for a while because it got them off the standard American diet many years ago, and they became health experts in a way. They started training, they started exercising, and they started doing all that. And then the weight wasn't controllable anymore. And they're like, what's the next phase? And they hear about intermittent fasting. So then they stop eating altogether for most of the day. Because really, reality, the constant high-fat diet is not sustainable. The constant healthy high-fat diet that everybody's on that gravitates to after you've been on standard American is not sustainable. So when you grow up 
you go to college or you grow up and you do whatever and you're getting older and you're eating standard American, you eat what you want, you have your pizza here, you do what you want here and the weight is gaining, you wanna exercise and get the weight off and then you go high fat keto or high fat whatever or some type of other healthy high fat diet and you say, whoa, found the holy grail, I know my deal, I count my macros, I'm eating my proteins, I'm eating my fats and then you start getting sicker or something goes wrong or weight starts gaining and you're like, what is going on? And you run into some trainer or some guy at the gym who's like, you should intermittent fast, man, everybody's doing this. So now you leave your high fat diet, which was not sustainable. And now you head to not eating at all until the end of the day. And you think you found the holy grail again, but you didn't because you hit the wall when you intermittent fast as well. It takes time, happens at a different moment for everybody but you end up hitting the wall. You're back to square one. You're eating fats all over again. It's not sustainable. Then you're intermittent fasting. Then you're vacillating back and forth constantly. Intermittent fasting for some weeks, then going back to eating high fat diet, healthy high fat diet for some weeks, then intermittent fasting, and then you're just rebounding. You're going back and forth, back and forth, cravings and all, not getting the things you need, and you're just running around in circles and you're chasing your tail because both intermittent fasting and a healthy high fat diet are not sustainable long-term. So let's cover a couple more claims. This is fun. Heart health improves heart health, okay? Well, if you stop pancakes with butter all over it, sausage, bacon, eggs, ham, cheese, cream in the morning, and you don't do that anymore, and you don't do it for lunch either, hmm. I think you might be getting better heart results somewhere along the way, for sure. Cardiovascular, you're not butter heart attacking yourself to death. You're not tanking the butter. And hopefully no one's putting butter in their coffee because that's a heart attack in a cup. But, and that's also intermittent fasting gone wrong if someone is doing that. And the funny thing is, yeah, there's a lot of intermittent fasters that are doing all kinds of weird things. And that's one of them. So yeah, of course heart health improves. You're not killing yourself eating all those high fatty foods for most of the day. It gives you a chance, gives the heart a chance. Like, is it really rocket science? I mean, they didn't know that, but they have to figure that out now. Like, you don't need a couple hundred million dollars in a study to try to figure that one out. But wait, I'm mistaken. They didn't figure it out now because they didn't know it's removing the fats that are giving them heart relief. They just think it's removing the food. So I guess they need another 20 years or 50 years and $500 million to someday realize it was the fat that was causing the problem, not the food. It's like you go to the scientists and say, oh, you guys, uh, food uh, or fat, do you get, you get the correlation? So the next claim is may prevent Alzheimer's. Okay, uh, may prevent Alzheimer's. I don't know where they got that from, there's not one single case in the world of someone who was dying of Alzheimer's, intermittent fast, and then recovered. It doesn't exist. But they're claiming may prevent Alzheimer's. They got no proof. It never happened. They don't even have one healing story of a grandma that doesn't know where she is, doesn't know what street she lives on, she has Alzheimer's, it's really bad. The whole family's worried. 
they're losing her. They don't have one healing story like, oh my God, my grandma, she was losing it. She was dying from Alzheimer's. In fact, they were like, well, she only has like a year left. And she did intermittent fasting, you guys. She withheld from food all day long. We had her jacked up on coffee. She ate a big old sloppy meal at the end of the day and she healed. We don't have one healing story. So I love when they say may prevent Alzheimer's and then we're supposed to chomp at the bit. Like, oh my God, like, oh, that's incredible. I better start now. The other thing is how many grandmas can starve themselves the entire day, like 16 hours without food? Like, does your grandma do that? How many grandpas can do that? Does your grandpa do that? Or is he in the cookie jar? Or is he in the cakes and goodie jar or the cupboard getting a snack out? Like, are you kidding? Like, how many Alzheimer's patients, they're a grandpa or grandma that you know can sit there and not eat all the way until eight o'clock at night or six o'clock at night? Huh? They usually eat chocolate cake and everything else under the sun. And on top of that, if they have Alzheimer's, you got to be the one to feed them, right? If they're really bad off, you got to be the one to get them the meals. So are you going to be like, well, I'm doing an experiment on my grandpa right now. We haven't fed him yet. He's, uh, he's might be hungry. Uh, his blood sugar might be really low. Uh, doesn't have any energy. He doesn't seem he wants to go outside and do anything. So we're holding food from him. Let's see, it's two o'clock. I'm looking at my clock now. No, grandpa, I'm not going to feed you. I know you you got Alzheimer's, but no, we're not going to feed you. Uh, four o'clock. Grandpa, we're not going to feed you yet. Seven o'clock at night. No, grandpa, we're going to try to do the intermittent fasting program that this guru does, you know, this guru trainer guy or whoever. We're going to feed you at nine o'clock tonight and then you can eat, okay? I'm Grandpa, I know you waited the whole day, but we're going to do this every single day to determine if it helps prevent Alzheimer's. You know, when you really think about intermittent fasting and you really break it down, like starve your kids, starve your teenagers, starve your young adults, starve your grandparents to try to get a result because you don't know what else to do. It's insane. All right, so let's do one of our last claims. Uh, reduce inflammation, okay? Reduce inflammation in the body. So if you're intermittent fasting, the claim is, you can reduce inflammation in the body. Well, yeah, you kind of can. There's a good chance you will. The reason why is because you're not having gluten in the morning. They don't know that, but you're not having gluten in the morning. You're not having dairy in the morning. They don't know that either. And then you're not having eggs in the morning. They don't know that because they believe eggs is a great protein. And you're not eating corn in the morning. You're not doing soy in the morning, but they don't know that. See, they just think food in general. You're not eating food. And because you're not eating food, you're reducing your inflammation. But they don't know what causes inflammation unless they know the MM info all these years, which is pathogens cause inflammation, but they don't know that. They don't know that Epstein-Barr or shingles or sedimeglovirus or, or herpes simplex 1 or HHV6 causes inflammation in the body. They never knew that. That's original medical medium information all these years. Published information that science actually uses and takes medical medium information for themselves illegally. And so, but they don't know this. They just think food. Food stops 
you don't eat food anymore in the morning. So inflammation goes down. They're like, yay, we found something, but they don't know why, because you're taking away specific things that could be in the mix of that food, like gluten, which feeds viruses, eggs, which feeds viruses, corn, soy, dairy, which feeds viruses, pathogens, and bacteria. Those things eat those very specific things. And then those pathogens create the inflammation, but they're not there yet. They're not that far advanced yet. They're just at the point where they're scratching their head going, okay, food's removed. That person's aches and pains are less. Oh, here's a great claim, may reduce inflammation. So let's talk about a little bit of a different topic here. Swelling, edema. A lot of people are swelling. They feel swollen. And when they intermittent fast, the swelling goes down. But like I said, remember this, it's not sustainable because people who are swelling wafer back and forth. They vacillate back and forth. They stop eating, their swelling goes down, and then they got to eat again. And they're eating, eating, and then they get swollen again. And now they have to stop eating again. And then they de-swell. They de-swell, they swell. They de-swell, they swell. Swell more, swell more, and then boom, have to go all the way back. Intermittent fast, intermittent fast. So they're vacillating back and forth, swelling, de-swelling. Now, how do they de-swell from intermittent fasting? They're stopping the foods that are contributing to their swelling because inside the food is the problem. What food, what is it? Is it gluten? Is it dairy products? Is it eggs? You might be like, I don't do gluten, but you do eggs. I don't do eggs, but you do cheese. What is it? And so these different foods feed pathogens, but that's just one avenue right there. I'll give you another option. What if you're somebody that's like, I don't do dairy, I'm vegan, I'm plant-based, I still swell, I eat very healthy, AW, I have oatmeal, I put peanut butter in my oatmeal, I have avocado toast, I do different things, I have smoothies with protein powders, plant-based protein powders, and I find, AW, that if I stop eating altogether, my swelling goes down. Yeah, when your situation, it's liver, it's an inflamed liver, pathogens inside the liver itself, a liver that's overburdened, stagnant, and sluggish. Maybe you got too many heavy metals combined with it all, but your liver is struggling. So you have to stop your plant-based foods in the morning, even if those plant-based foods aren't necessarily feeding pathogens that you have, it's still burdening the liver. You're at the point in your life, in your health, where you actually have to withhold from food to get a result, to get the swelling down because the fat in your foods, the peanut butter, the almond butter, the coconut oil, the avocado, whatever it is, those fats are burdening the liver so much that you're in a different position in your life. You have to stop those fats even if you're plant-based in the morning or you have to stop your plant-based fats during the day, the daytime as well. So you're that person that's like, well, okay, in the morning, I'm not eating those anyway. And well, if you're eating them during the day, it gets in the way as well. And then you might be that plant-based person. It's like, well, I intermittent fast and I found being a vegan, I don't eat breakfast. I don't eat lunch. Yes, I drink coffee. Yes, I have caffeine. I try to push all the way to four or five o'clock, six o'clock before I eat. 
yeah, you're withholding all those fats again, and then your swelling goes down. The fats are contributing to the swelling, and fats also stop the body from cleansing or healing so that you can't get rid of pathogens if you're always cranking the fats in the diet. And the bummer is it's so sad because health influencers have no idea why anyone is really sick to begin with, but they're pushing everybody into intermittent fasting as if it's a cure. Then when they do eat, they eat the wrong foods. So people aren't being taught to go the right direction to heal or what to eat. They're not eating healing foods for their actual symptoms and conditions, the very reason why they're getting sick. Now, a lot of people are intermittent fasting because of swelling, because they're getting so inflamed and swollen and their body doesn't feel good. It's not just fat or weight of fat, it's water retention. And for years I've talked about this, where if someone's overweight, they may only be 10 pounds overweight with 10 pounds of water retention and edema. They may not be 20 pounds of fat on their body. They may have 10 pounds of fat or 15 pounds of fat and 10 pounds of water, swelling, fluid. They're retaining fluid. And I've talked about this for over 35 years. When someone says, well, that person's 250 pounds when they're supposed to be only 180 pounds, they got, you know, that much more fat on them was like, well, wait a minute, there could be 30 pounds of retaining fluid, edema happening, and then the rest is fat. So when that swelling goes down in a day, they look like they lost 10 pounds, like 10 pounds fast, 10 pounds a week, especially if they just stop eating. All of a sudden they lose this initial swelling. They don't lose fat. They just lose all this water retention, the fluid, the swelling of the fluid. But different people swell for different reasons because I know the alternative movement, once again, is one size fits all. They just think everybody's got the same swelling problem, but they don't. Some people are really viral, low-grade viral infections, and these viral infections inhabit their liver, making their liver so sluggish and toxic that their lymphatic system starts to gain fluid because their liver is so clogged up. And then you might have somebody else. It's a little different. It's not just a low-grade viral infection. And somebody else might have a stagnant, sluggish liver without the pathogen problem, the low-grade viral infection. Instead, a really fatty liver with lots of different toxins in them. And then you got people with salt addictions. They're salted out. They got salt deposits inside of them everywhere. Their liver has salt deposits in it. Their bloodstream is high in sodium. They got salt everywhere. And then they're addicted to the flavor. They need that salt flavor. And there's people that say, hey, I don't, I don't add salt. I never add salt to anything. No way, I'm not really big on salt. Meanwhile, they're eating so much salt, they don't even realize it. They go buy a sandwich somewhere and the thing is salted out 10 ways to Sunday because they don't know. And then they go eat over somebody's house or family makes them something to eat or salt in coffee. That's another thing. People don't realize it. They make coffee more addictive because the coffee shops put salt in the water. Sodium is in the water at the coffee shops. It's salty coffee and everybody's drinking it down and they don't realize it. And then sauces everywhere. 
different condiments and sauces, tomato sauce, salt everywhere. And then restaurants, eating out, takeout food, even if it's healthy vegan takeout food or vegetarian takeout food, it's extra salty. Everybody salt it out. And then they'll have some chips, healthy chips. They're salty too. Salt gets so out of control, they're swelling. They're swelling everywhere. They stop eating, they intermittent fast. They don't realize it, but they just back down the salt. That brings down the swelling, that alone. Now you'll often hear from people who intermittent fast that they can think more clear. They got clarity, like they're not as fogged. And one of the reasons is they're avoiding a lot of foods in the morning or during the day that would bog them down, slow them down and starve their brain of glucose. For example, they're eating high fatty foods during the morning or during the afternoon. You get high blood fat. High blood fat creates insulin resistance. It stops critically needed glucose and sugar from getting to your brain. And when that glucose gets to the brain, you think more clear. Now what they're doing is they're avoiding all food altogether. So they're avoiding the fats. They're not having the fats anymore, but they're having the caffeine. So now they're running on adrenaline and they think more clear in the moment. But this is robbing Peter to pay Paul again, because in the end you get burnout, neurotransmitter burnout, neuron burnout, brain deficiencies. You lose even precious resources like melatonin in your brain and you just slowly burn out over time. Anxiety creeps up, depression creeps up, and then you break and you end up quitting your intermittent fasting program. How do we nourish ourselves? How do we give our body what it needs? All the nutrients, all the glucose, all the trace mineral salts. How do we fuel ourselves so we can function without being jacked up on a drug like caffeine? How can we give ourselves the nutrients we need to power us through the day, but yet not get sick, instead reverse our conditions and our symptoms and live our life to the best of its ability and not have to be on a stimulant? How can we do it in a kind way, a kind way to our body, kind way for our children, our parents, our friends, our loved ones, we don't naturally come into this world and someday say, I don't want to be a fireman. I want to be an intermittent faster. I don't want to be a school teacher. I want to be an intermittent fasting person. No, I want to intermittent fast. Hey, I'm in fifth grade right now. Hey, do you guys want to intermittent fast someday where you don't eat all your fun foods and don't eat pizza and anything else and breakfasts? What do you mean? No more waffles in the morning? Lego my ego. No more that? Uh, no more cereal? Yeah, no, we're just going to starve ourselves all day long until the end of the day at night. Really? Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to go to college and someday be an intermittent fasting person. When I go out to lunch with my friend in college, I'm going to say, well, I'm not eating until nine o'clock tonight. That's what I inspire to be and do. It's not a natural process to just withhold food every day. So how do we do this right? To start, there's not one way to do it. Everybody's different. Everybody has different problems. Some people have a really strong constitution. They haven't been taken down by pathogens. They don't have a lot of heavy metals. They don't have a lot of toxins and poisons. That person might just need some celery juice in the morning and not have to eat till noon. At least they're getting their trace mineral salts and a little bit of glucose and hydration. 
And then it all depends on what time you wake up in the morning. You might be somebody that wakes up really early or somebody that wakes up at 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning. That changes the game too. If you wake up really early, you start your day early and you go to work, you're going to need some glucose eventually. So you might need some fruit or a smoothie. So not just celery juice or cucumber juice or just lemon water. You might need all of it. And then some apples along the way to take you to noon. What you want to do is leave out the fats. No nuts, no seeds, no nut butters, no oils, no coconut oil, no MCT oil, no eggs, dairy products, meats, chickens. Keep the fats completely out, at least before noon. You're not bombarding your bloodstream with all that fat. Fat blocks the sugar from getting into your cells. Fat blocks the glucose from getting to your brain. Fat creates the insulin resistance, not the sugar. And that's a mistake made with intermittent fasters. They don't know this. So they withhold all food, starving their brain, starving their body, starving their liver. Their bloodstream loses the glucose. What people don't think about is their heart is a muscle. Their muscles need glucose. It's critical. But if there's no glucose because you're holding back all the food, you're starving yourself from the sugars you need, then your heart is not getting the glucose, the sugar it needs to feed itself. Your heart gets stressed. Your brain gets stressed. Your liver gets stressed. Your body gets stressed. And this is something intermittent fasters don't realize they're doing. But at the same time, they're feeling a little better because they're not eating so much garbage and so much fat throughout the day. So the goal is to cleanse, detox, restore, renew cells for real, get nutrients to them, get sugar to the brain, sugar to the heart, get mineral salts to the brain and nervous system. All of this while being productive, living your life, not overburdening your liver, not tanking out on fat all day, meaning you're eating fatty foods throughout the day, not realizing it, and getting insulin resistance. Instead, you're getting better workouts, fueling your heart, fueling your muscles, fueling your brain and nervous system, and being productive. Now listen, there's a lot of ways to do this, good ways to do it right, so many different options. You might be that person that doesn't want to eat till four or six, but yet you need some kind of fuel, but yet you don't want to actually eat food. Well, then that's when the juices come in. That's when coconut water comes in. That's when lemon water comes in. You could always do a lemon water and then into celery juice or cucumber juice, then into coconut water, and then do that until four or six. But that's only if you're somebody with a strong constitution, you're kind of used to not eating that much food or fuel. But what if you're somebody that's sick and you got a lot of neurological symptoms and you need more fuel or you're up against a lot of stress? Now, here's a little disclaimer. There's lots of options because that's the whole point. It's not one size fits all. Each person is at a different place in their life. There are people that they got to eat something every hour because of their adrenal glands. Their adrenals are shot. They have to make sure they fuel themselves every hour, hour and a half. And then there's people who do want to eat fat at some point during the day. They don't know it, but they feel like satiated on some type of chicken or meat. And it's the fat that's kind of giving them that satiation at night. Well, save those fats to the end of the day. That could be a whole nother person where all day long you're doing lemon water, your celery juice, then your coconut water, then a fruit smoothie, 
then a salad, maybe with steamed potato. And then at the very end of the night, you have your animal protein or your plant fats or something like avocado salad again, or you have something else like a nut butter, if that's what you live on, that you love. Everybody's different. There's so many different options. Say you're somebody that gets up and coconut water works good for you. So you can do a lot of that. And then you're not big on fruit. So you do some oatmeal, can do some maple syrup or honey in your oatmeal, but don't do the nut milks, the nut butters. Don't put the fat on top of the oatmeal because that's when you get in trouble. And then if you do like a little bit of fruit, you can always put some berries and other pieces of fruit on your oatmeal if you'd like. That might be able to carry you to lunchtime or after. If you're somebody that's trying not to eat as much, at least you got some kind of fuel to fuel your brain and fuel your bloodstream with all the glucose you need. And then you might be able to do some steamed vegetables that day and some steamed vegetables on top of a salad of greens, leafy greens, so you're getting all your mineral salts. But on that salad, don't put oils, don't put avocado, don't put chicken, don't put fish, don't put bean on there, don't put eggs on there. You don't want a fat on there. Remember, you're keeping the fats out. If you don't want to be fat-free for the day, the fats come later at the end of the day. If you're an animal protein person, that's when you apply the animal proteins because animal proteins equal animal fat. So at the end of the day, your animal fat comes in then. If you're a plant-based person, plant fats comes at the end of the day. That means if you're somebody that always eats nut butter or avocado, you're bringing those in later on your last meal of the day, really preferably. So you're doing your intermittent fasting in a way. You're doing the thing that you avoided all day, which is the fats, but you do it at night at the end of the day. But this is the healthier version because all day long, you're getting fuel and the things you need. A lot of influencers are adopting medical medium tools with their intermittent fasting programs. They all drink celery juice in the morning, and then they drink their coffee all day long and have their meals at the end of the day. The celery juice is carrying them, helping them, bringing things back to them. That's why they're doing it. The sodium cluster salts in celery juice are feeding their brain, their neurotransmitters, their neurons. It's making them stronger while they're doing something that's not good for them, like caffeine all day. The celery juice is allowing them to do more of the things that aren't helpful. At the same time, the celery juice is restoring their hydrochloric acid reserves because their stomach glands are depleted of HCL. It's part of what contributes to their bloating. And then a lot of them have bacteria problems in their gut, bad bacteria, streptococcus. That contributes to the bloating as well. And the celery juice is killing off the bad bacteria, lowering the amounts of bad bacteria they have in their gut. And then the celery juice is also knocking other pathogens down. A lot of people have the Epstein-Barr and the low-grade viral infections. So they got a little bit of that mild fatigue and they got a little bit of aches and pains and they don't feel good. So the celery juice is knocking down the viral load and the bacterial load and restoring the HCL. And at the same time, the celery juice is bringing bile reserves back, restoring the liver and helping them cleanse. All that's happening from their daily celery juice every single day, but then they still tell everybody they're intermittent fasting and the credit goes to the intermittent fasting, but they don't tell someone they're doing the celery juice. So the next person says, well, I'm gonna do the intermittent fasting and they don't do any celery juice. 
If you're looking to customize an option that's right for you, for what's happening inside your body, because everybody's different with what's going on inside of them, different pathogens, different pathogen loads, toxic heavy metals, different toxins and poisons, different life experiences like stressors, different demands and hardships, then check out Cleanse to Heal. So a lot of different cleanses in there, a lot of different protocols. You can customize it to what's right for you. You can learn about the lemon water, learn about the celery juice, learn about the heavy metal detox smoothie. There's a heavy metal detox cleanse. There's a medical medium morning cleanse. There's mono cleanses in there. If you have serious digestive problems, you live with a lot of bloat, pain, gastric distress. The book has a lot of information in detail so you can customize it for yourself so you can learn how to work with not having the fats so you lose the insulin resistance and you can do cleansing and healing. And you can also use the book if you're an animal protein person or if you're a plant-based person. Also, there's the 369 cleanses, 369 advanced cleanse in there and the anti-bug cleanse because so many people are buggy. They got sicknesses and symptoms because they have so many different varieties of bugs. H. pylori and the herpes simplex one, the HHV6 and the Epstein bars, everybody's dealing with something inside of them that changes the rules. The medical medium book series, it's there for people to customize their healing, to do what's right for them, because not everybody's the same and one size doesn't fit all in order to heal everybody has a different experience and a different problem. And so we need to address it and we need options so people can customize and take their healing as far as they need to go. Before we get to the ending of the show, just wanna leave you with one last thought. When we're intermittent fasting, we're doing it on planet Earth. We're doing it here in this solar system. This planet is the size it is. It takes 24 hours for it to revolve and turn, for the sun to rise and the sun to rise. Think about being in a different solar system, on another planet, and what would intermittent fasting be like there? What if it was a planet that was larger than the Earth? Very well could be. And it took 48 hours for that sunrise, for that sun to rise, or took longer. And what would it be like during the day as you're intermittent fasting? Instead of fasting for 12 hours and not eating food before you eat your dinner, you might be waiting 20 hours or maybe even 30 hours. Just wanted to leave you with that last note. It's easy to be confused about food, feel stuck about what we are eating, feel lost about what we are choosing, what we're trying to avoid. The roadmap to healing is hard when we don't have a clue. It's not our fault. Everyone going through a struggle ends up scrambling it's true, when you're young and strong and haven't been in the shoes of someone who has been there, who's been deeply wronged and is really sick, and what you reference in your life isn't what they, the really sick, have referenced in their life. It's like the Wild West out there in the world of health. Everyone who's alpha and their ego won't back down and they are not yet affected by sickness 
and try to make a name for themselves. Not all are like this, though. There are angels among the masses, and there are beacons of light who have been through hell and back and have every right to preach and teach classes. Wise ones that fought their way out of the woods, broke out of unwellness, left the darkness, and then became reborn with purpose and knowledge and have great compassion for the ones that have been misled all along the path. They know what it was to feel barely alive and just about half dead, but have more words of wisdom now than anything said in the trendy health realm of games that mess with people's heads. Remember these words, for they are tall, and the truth derails the darkness so it doesn't stay above all. The confusion and illusion, the medicine delusion, creates its own downfall. And all that's good and healing sits in your hands and allows what you wanted all along.